Come on now, bless the Lord with me this morning. Bless the Lord this morning. Bless his name. Bless his holy name. I don't know about you. Lift him up this morning. Lift the Savior up this morning. Bless his holy name. If the Lord did anything for you this year, if he's done anything for you this year, bless his name. If he's brought you through anything this year, bless his name. If he put food in your stomach this year, bless his name. If he put clothes on your back, bless his name. If you're here in your right mind and decent health, bless his name. If you got a roof over your head, we can bless his name. If your children are alive and doing well, bless his name. If you got a job, bless his name. Bless his holy name. He's worthy. He is worthy. He is worthy to be praised. We bless you this day, O oh God. We bless your holy and righteous and good name. That name that is above. Not every name. Every name. In heaven and on earth. In the name of Jesus, we bless his name today. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise for just bringing you through. Just because he brought you through. Just because you showed up this morning, even though it was cold, your car still started. You still got out the bed. You still walked in this morning. And he gave you a voice to sing, hands to clap, and ears to hear just because we bless your holy name. Praise God. Indeed, it is a privilege, tremendous privilege and honor to be with you once again this, this Lord's Day here at Forest Baptist Church as we are celebrating New Year's Eve right on the cusp of 2018. Go ahead and start getting that in your head right now before you start writing them checks. 2018, 1-8. Make sure you got that right. Uh, the year has gone by fast. I was telling someone this morning, they shared with me how fast this year went by. I said, well, they say time flies when you're having fun. And my prayer is that here at Forest Baptist Church that you have had a good time. 2017, all that the Lord has been doing. Uh, excited about what, where he's brought us from. Excited about where he's taken us to. Uh, praise the Lord. Thank the Lord for our worship team for singing songs of glory to prepare our hearts to receive his word because you know what? Just 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 matter of fact, sometimes we just come in and look cold. Sometimes we just come in and the cares of this world are on our backs and on our minds. Sometimes we just a little discouraged and in need of encouragement and hope. And that's that's when you you come in and you just open your mouth. You don't try to impress anybody. It don't matter if you off key. You, uh, he is the center of your worship. When he is the center of your worship, it don't matter if they talk about you. It don't matter what they might say. Because you know what he's been doing in your life. You know what he's brought you through. So sometimes it's just good to show up and just to sing praises to his name. To scrape off that rust from the weak from the cares and the issues of life 
Sometimes get the best of us, but God is faithful. And he is with us, and he is here. Amen. Amen. So on behalf of the entire Forest Baptist Church family, I just want to say welcome to all of our guests. Um, it's good to see family in here today, and uh, praise God they brought you through another week. And I pray that you had a Merry Christmas, a wonderful time, um, and that uh, you are ready to head into the next year. Also, I just want to be mindful to uh, keep all of our seniors in, in, in your prayers as it is cold outside, you know. And, and sometimes those joints just don't work that well when it gets that cold. So for all that of you who are here this morning, I said thank you for, for your faithfulness unto God. And I would be remiss that on this New Year's Eve, I I do want to uh, use the calendar to help focus us and point us um, to faithfulness unto the Lord for 2018. You know, there there are dates on the calendar that we should use to help remind us uh, where we have come from, to help focus us on our goals, on what needs to happen, on what's coming up. Your birthday may come around and there's an opportunity for you to reflect upon what God has done in your life and and where do you think the Lord wants you to go in that next year. Uh, We want to take the the, the same type of uh, time here on this New Year's Eve to um, consider where the Lord has brought you from how he's been working in your life lately, and and some of the things that he may have placed upon your heart that are exciting in 2018, or even some of the challenges you may face in 2018. Um, But just to be reminded that God is faithful. Uh, He he has been with you this year, and he will continue to be with you. He knows what he is doing all the time. Amen? Amen. So with that in mind, let us pick up our, our copy of our Bibles and turn with me to Matthew the 11th chapter, Matthew's Gospel in the New Testament, first book of the New Testament, Matthew the 11th chapter, we'll be looking at verses 25 through 30, so if you would, grab your Bible, and again this week, um, our gift to you, if you do not own a Bible, if you don't have a Bible of your very own, we have some Bibles in the back. And if you uh, like a like a Bible right now, just just raise your hand when the ushers give you a Bible or on the way out. Again, that's our gift to you. Uh, as we begin a new year, one of the things you, we want you to be trying to do is, is to read all of Scripture next year. Amen. Uh, let's pick up those Bibles and let's read through the Bible in a year. It's possible. People have done it before. And just because you failed before don't mean you won't fail this time. Uh, but be encouraged to try to read through the Bible again this year. So if you need a Bible, we have those for you. Matthew, the 11th chapter, beginning with verse 25. This is the word of God. Please hear the voice of Christ. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. 
And no one knows the Father except the Son. And anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. Just want to put the tag on our text before us this morning. Just a change from what's in the bulletin. There is rest for the weary. There is rest for the weary. If you would, please bow your hands with me as we go to our faithful God in prayer. Oh, gracious and eternal Father, we do come before you acknowledging how holy, how wonderful, how glorious, and how good you are, Lord. You are above us. You are not on our level. You have a whole level of your own, Lord. And apart from Christ, we cannot have fellowship with you, dear God. So, Father, I ask in the name of Jesus right now that you would send forth your Holy Spirit to open up our eyes and open up deaf ears and soften our hearts that we would receive your word. Your word. Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit would go forth and help us worship because we cannot worship you without your spirit showing and teaching us how to worship, how to listen, and how to obey. So, Father, I ask that it would be so in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, I ask that you would give me clarity of speech and conviction of heart, that you would hide me behind the cross. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. All by grace. In Jesus' precious holy name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You know, rest is central to the human experience. Rest is universal. It's something that everybody needs. Rest. Coming home from a long day's work. A long day's journey, one of the first things that we want to do is just sit down and rest. We want to get our rest because lives are busy, schedules are hectic, and we're always moving, doing something. But there is that one common denominator of the human experience is that we all need rest. Now, some of us need more rest than others, some less, but I don't care who you are, you need some rest. And uh, that, that is because God has really built that into the human, uh, the nature of who we are. God, God built that into us to show us that we are not self-sufficient, that we can't do it on our own, and that he is God alone, and that sometimes we got to shut it down. Because honestly, if some of us, if we didn't have to sleep, we, we wouldn't sleep. There's so much to do, we say. I got stuff to do. Rest shows us that we can't do everything. Rest reminds us that we're not God. So praise God for rest. It is universal to all of us. Uh, uh, one of the questions that we always ask someone when we run into them is, how are you doing today? And what do we hear most times? Well, I'm tired. I'm tired. And what do we say? Get you some rest. This rest is a billion-dollar industry, whether it's mattresses and duvets and covers and blankets or, or sleep treatments or special lights and sounds and 
seashells. There is a billion dollar industry uh, around getting some rest, vacations, all about getting rest. And if we were to define the word rest, there's a, a few definitions that we could uh, consider. When we think about the word rest, there's a, a ceasing of work, a stoppage of activity. When we think about rest, there is an ideal, a notion of refreshment. I want to get some rest because I need to be refreshed and revitalized. When we think about rest, we think about uh, relinquishing control. Like, I'm tired of this. I'm just, I'm done. We're we're resting. We're, We're not putting our hands to it anymore. And in a sense, when we rest, there's, there's some freedom in rest. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to worry about this anymore. I'm just going to rest. And leave it be. I'm just going to rest. But you know what this thing called rest is? It's a fickle. This is a fickle thing. It changes from day to day. Some days we wake up, oh, I'm rested and ready to go. And the next day we can be, I'm so tired I can barely function. Think about your own life. It's, it's easy to rest when all the bills are paid. When, when, when there's food in the refrigerator, when there's gas in the car. It's easy to go to sleep that night. But, but let there be a, a, a foreclosed note in your mailbox let there be one of them little red bills in your mailbox or let there not be something in the refrigerator that you depend on or, or no gas in the car and all of a sudden rest is kind of fleeting all the new babies around here praise god i pray for their parents each and every day because rest may not be in that house like it used to be rest is fickle Some days we get it, some days we don't. But you know what, beloved, if we're truly honest with ourselves, this thing called rest, uh, most of our issues is not with our physiology. When it comes to rest, most of our issues has to do, all to do with our theology. What do I mean? Uh, When we're thinking about rest and we're worried about things and we're anxious about things and we don't have control over things, there's that temptation of uh, because I can't control it now, I'm fearful and I can't rest. I'm restless. But really, if we gave that issue to the Lord, we could have rest. So it's not a matter of physiology or even your mattress. Sometimes, not, not, not all the time, I close the back door on that. There are sometimes there's things going on that's tremendously difficult on the body or we have uh, medical issues, but but a lot of times in our life, we're just honest. The reason why we can't sleep is because we have a little view of God. He's really not in control of everything. The God we serve is only in control of some things. God, you take care of that, and I take care of all of this. If we're really honest with ourselves, we have created a God who is only able to take care of those big things out there, not those little things inside here. We serve a God that's uh, that's on the outside and not a God who's on the inside. Because when God is on the inside, then he's able to give us rest. So we look to God for our rest. Isn't that the thrust of Psalm 127? How how the psalmist is, is, is pressing this notion that only rest uh, comes when you look to the Lord, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build labor in vain, unless the wo- the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stay awake in vain. It's, it, it's in vain. It says it is vain for you to rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. For he gives 
to his beloved sleep. Isn't that the thrust of the text that when we find our hope and trust in God, then we can genuinely rest. God, being all wise, he even built into creation this notion of rest. The Bible tells us in Genesis that God worked for six days and on the seventh day he rested with the Jewish uh, uh, the children of Israel built into their way of life was that Sabbath day of rest. There, there was a day that they would uh, uh, refrain from doing any work in order to rest so their minds would not be preoccupied with what needs to be done, done but their minds would be preoccupied on worshiping God. Do you know that when, you, when you're restless, you can't worship? Some of our issues with worship is that we're too busy and we're restless, but God wants to give you rest and coming out of this 2017 some of us some of you are tired we're just tired we're dealing with a lot various situations whether it be health issues where whether it be job issues there's just various situations that's been stealing our rest familial issues or maybe there's some some expectations that you had things that didn't happen just the way you wanted or things that were accomplished on your your list of goals for 2017. So, so now you find yourself restless and tired coming out of 2017. Or maybe it's some frustration. You're tired because you're frustrated. You're just angry. Uh, uh, things aren't turning out the way you wanted to. Uh, people are in your way. You have opposition. You have oppression. Uh, the government is going crazy and I'm frustrated. I'm tired. There's this tiredness that's attached just to the way of life. But you know what? That is, it, that's okay. Sometimes we get tired. See, but the problem is what we do with that tiredness. And what we often do is in order to find rest, we run to worldly solutions for a theological issue. And we begin to run to the things and the cares of this world. We begin to, to, to run to alcohol, to, to run to drugs, to run to sex, to run to relationships, to run to work, to, to run to everything else to soothe us, to satisfy us, to get rest and find that it is only temporal in sustaining us. That's the problem. We run to the world for rest instead of running to Jesus for rest. That is the thrust of what Jesus is saying to us this morning. Instead of running and looking to everyone else for rest, we must and only can receive rest when we run to him. The text of scripture shows us this morning that those who respond to Jesus's invitation will receive so satisfying rest. So my encouragement for you this day is to get some rest this year. Get some rest by running to the arms of Jesus. From the text this morning, we, I just want to lay out two ways, I believe, that we can receive rest this coming year. Two ways that we can receive rest this year. And the first, the first way that we can receive rest this year is uh, get some rest this year by trusting in the sovereignty of God. Get some rest by trusting in the sovereignty of God. Verse 25 here, Jesus is speaking. He's talking to the crowd. He's not just talking to his disciples. Often when Jesus would come through a, a town, he would, he would, uh, find a spot and begin to speak to the people. 
they would have questions or he would answer questions, but there were times he would just stop and begin to preach and teach to the people. This is one of those opportunities where Jesus is just speaking to the people. In verse 25, it says, at that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my father and no one knows the son except the father and no one knows the father except the son and anyone to whom the son chooses to reveal him. This may seem like some simple conversation and it would be easy to glance over the text, but what Jesus is doing, he's, he's trying to show them uh, the intimate relationship that he and the father has. They have this very intimate, very personal relationship that, that can only be seen and received through the person and work of Jesus Christ. There's a special relationship that, that he has that no one else has. See, understand the context here, too. In the 11th chapter of Matthew, Jesus has been going about his earthly ministry, right? And, and Jesus has been healing and he has been he has been. Uh, feeding and doing all kinds of miracles. So there was a point in Jesus' ministry where Jesus was brand new and everybody wanted a piece of him. Oh, Jesus coming in town. Oh, he be healing folks. Yeah, he be giving. We could go get something to eat. And Jesus was this new thing in town. But then Jesus dropped it on him one day and told him, uh, uh, unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you have no piece of me. So what Jesus was saying, I'm not a fad. I'm not just a new thing. If you really want to roll with me, you're going to have to partake of me. Don't just take the stuff that I give you, but you have to receive me as well. So Jesus had been demonstrating his power and who he was. But now in the 11th chapter, he begins to receive opposition to his ministry. We see the opposition has already come because JB is in jail. John the Baptist, he's in jail. He's doubting now. Because he thought Jesus was going to come and, and, and restore his kingdom right at that moment. But that's not what happened. So, so JB's in jail. And he's like, I thought Jesus was going to turn everything upside down. And he sends word to ask Jesus, are you really the Messiah? And Jesus says, don't you see the sick heal? The blind have sight? People being fed? The lame walk? Those are demonstrations that the kingdom has been ushered in through me. What Jesus is saying is that I am not going to live up to your expectations of how this is supposed to work. But you need to get on my level and roll with me. So now when everybody figure out that they can't just tell Jesus what to do, he faces opposition. I don't know about you in your life. Sometimes I've, I've tried to tell Jesus what I want to happen. And Jesus, I want you to do this. And Jesus, I want you to do that. But when he doesn't, I have the nerve to get upset. Don't you know that Jesus run the show? Don't you know it's Jesus who's in control? He's receiving opposition in ministry now. And in receiving opposition, Jesus slows up and he begins to talk about his relationship with the Father. What is going on? He says, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. This whole passage is Jesus' declaration of the sovereignty of God. He said, Father, you are Lord of heaven and earth. What is he saying? Lord, you in control of all those stars, the billions of galaxies, the Milky Way, the sun and the moon too. 
You, 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 you threw the stars into the sky. You gave, you know each one by name. Lord, you are the, 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 the Father, you are Lord of heaven, the sky, the galaxies. That everything exists inside of this universe belongs to you. But not only that, you're Lord of heaven, you're Lord of earth. You, you're the one who, who created the earth and made it spin on its axis, sitting in, in nothingness in the middle of the sky. And it's rotating and it's, and it's keeping us down. And the seas know where to go and the mountains know where to go. And the animals know how to live. You're Lord over the heavens and the earth. Then he goes on to say, and, and I'm glad that you've hidden these things from those who think they're wise and revealed them to children. He, he's saying, you're not only in control of the physical universe, the heavens and the earth, you are in charge of salvation. God, you, those folks who think they're so sweet, you have hidden the truth of the gospel from their eyes. And yet you have revealed the truth of the gospel to those who are little children. He goes on to say, and by your gracious will, because this is what you want to do, just because of who you are, you're sovereign, God. You can do what you want to do. And he says, all things, all things have been handed over to me. If you don't own all things, you can't hand over all things. He's talking about the sovereignty, the providence of God. And then lastly, he says, and the, the son chooses to whom to reveal. This whole text is talking about the sovereignty, the power, and the control that God has over all of creation. So why, why is this declaration showing up? Jesus always speaks for a reason. And the reason why Jesus is speaking about this uh, God's control over the entire world is because these people have been traumatized, they have been oppressed, and Jesus is speaking to a people Tired by fear. They're afraid. They've been oppressed religiously. The Pharisees have tried to extend control over them through religion. And, and, and what Jesus is, is saying is that when oppression comes your way, don't worry about what the oppression. You worry about who's in charge. He is, talking, he is talking to a people who, because they have no control of their situation, they have no control of their circumstance, they live in constant fear. Beloved, the reason why we are such control freaks, control freaks is because we are afraid. When there's a situation that we are afraid of, the human response is, I need to control it somehow. I got, I got to put a schedule around it. I got I to gotta talk to it. I got to touch it. I have to do something. Whenever we are afraid, our first response is, I got to have control. And God is, is, is showing us through the text this morning through Jesus' words is when you face a situation and circumstance that is out of your control, you don't have to fear. You don't have to fret because God is already in control. Because he's in total control, we can have rest. As you and I journey through this life, we're going to face oppression. We're going to face difficulties. We're going to face trials. and There's going to be the ups of life, the downs of life. But don't forget who's in charge. See, in other words, when, when sin and Satan and the world comes up against you, don't forget about Jesus. Don't forget about Jesus. But in those times of tremendous 
oppression and opposition, that's when we come back and we faithfully apply the fundamentals of faith. We go back to basics and we just trust God because he said it. I remember being younger, playing a lot of basketball with my father and going to basketball camps and being schooled in the fundamentals of basketball. So, so when I played ball, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't that fancy. I wasn't that fancy, but I got buckets. I, I could score the ball. Now, I, I could pass and rebound and shoot. And I do the fundamentals really well. And I remember one time I was playing ball and, and we was get, we, uh, uh, with some older gentlemen, giving them the business. And uh, we, we're winning, they're losing. And I went to the hole to, to do a layup. And, and this guy came out, uh, this older guy came out and, and, and gave me a hard foul, a nice hard foul. Knocked me down on the floor. I, I could see the frustration in his eyes. Just, he, couldn't, he couldn't check us. And at that moment, I, I had a choice. I, I, I could get up and get in his face. I said, but you know what? I ain't going to worry about it. I'm just going to get up. I kept my cool. I didn't trip. I, 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 I didn't lose control. But if I'm honest, the reason why I wasn't tripping or losing control was, was because I was playing on my daddy's team. See, I knew that I didn't have to do nothing because I was playing on my daddy's team. I didn't have to buck up and, and try to take charge of the situation because my daddy was on my team. And my daddy had witnessed what took place. So I just sat there with a smile on my face like, oh, you don't messed up now, buddy. And I just grinned. And my, my father, all five foot nine of them, walks over to this guy and say, nah, we ain't going to play like that he up in here. If y'all know my daddy, he's just cool. He's just always cool. And we ain't going to play like that up in here. And that was it. Beloved, that's what Jesus is trying to say to you. When you on your daddy's team, when the world comes up against you and fouls your heart, knocks you down, takes the wind out of your sail. You ain't got to get up acting all crazy and ignorant. You'll just say, I ain't worried because I'm on my daddy's team and he's in charge of everything. He's going to handle it. He's going to take care of it. That's the picture of rest. God's got you. God's got it. Whatever it is, God's got it. He has the situation. If it's your job, God's got it. If it's your babies, God's got it. If it's that schooling, God's got it. That teacher, God's got it. That those health issues, God got it. He knows what he's doing. We have to remind ourselves that all the time. But I'm going to help you out. Next time you want to act a fool because you ain't in control, remember that old theologically rich children's song that we used to sing. He says, he's got the whole world. In his hands. 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 When a situation comes up that you can't touch. It's driving you crazy. Just stop and say. He's got the whole world. In his hands. When you're. Run up against someone who's acting a fool and you don't know what to do or how to handle it. You just say, he's got you and me, brother. In his hands. When, when your husband and wife is, they, is tripping and there's, there's marital issues, he got 
you and me, sister. You and me, brother. And they say, when, you, when your parents acting the fool, children, you can say they got the mothers and the fathers in his hands. But you can just go on on every situation of life in his hands. That's when you hit the re remix. In his hands. In his hands. You just go through. You, your, your boss going to look at you like you're you going to leave that meeting. They're going to be on your nerves. You're just going to be saying, in his hands. In his that, that, that assignment is driving you crazy. In his hands. He's the Lord of heaven and earth. Do you think God can't change your situation? The one who spoke and it was. It was nothing and became something, something just because he said. God can take care of you. Beloved, get some rest this year. Just by trusting. Trusting in the sovereignty of God. But not only trusting in the sovereignty of God, secondly, get some rest this year by trust by receiving the salvation of God. Receiving the salvation of God. Verse 28, it goes, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Here, this is the main thrust of this passage. Jesus is talking about rest and salvation. You rest in Jesus when you are saved. He says, come to me. Again, understand the context. Jesus is talking to a people who have been religiously oppressed. The Pharisees have used the law basically to beat up these people, to control them with the law and with their, uh, their, their rules and regulations that were outside of the law. So, so Jesus is speaking to this people and, and his words, they now pivot from a declaration of divine sovereignty to an invitation of human responsibility. You see it in the text. And in verses 25 through 27, we see this beautiful picture of divine sovereignty. But yet here in verse 28, we see human responsibility comes in and there's this tension. God controls salvation, but yet you still need to come. You still need to turn. You still need to repent. We see the tension, and this invitation is simply summed up in three words. Come to me. Come to me. All you who have been under religious oppression, working to find your acceptance. Jesus, I can imagine Jesus just looking at the crowd with soft eyes. You ever seen someone just walk in a room and you just look like, man, they, they just look like they need a hug. Jesus is looking at them and saying, they just need some love. They're tired. They're worn out. They've been working to satisfy these false standards. But I'm here to give them rest. Come to me. Jesus is speaking to a people tired of religion. They're tired of being religious. They're tired of looking the part. They're tired of trying to find their acceptance through uh, a set of works. Beloved, we can simply say that religion is looking for acceptance outward and not upward. Whenever you are living uh, a life in order to appease me, in order to appease someone else, uh, in order to satisfy their needs, you're living religion. But when you live a life, I, I, the desire, the sincere desire to satisfy God, you are in a relationship. There's a big difference. 
Religion will always have you tied down where a relationship will set you free. Religion will always have you defeated when, when, when a relationship will always lift you up. Religion uh, uh, causes you to walk in fear. I don't want to say the wrong things. I don't want to do the wrong things. Because just think what everyone else would say about me. That's religion. But a relationship says, Lord, I love you. May you guide my path. May you lead me daily. And if I fall, your grace is sufficient to keep me. That's a relationship. There's no pressure. There's no, no bondage in a relationship. And that's why Jesus is speaking to these people. Come to me. Some of you know all too well what I'm talking about. You may have grown up in a religious household, not a, a household that has a relationship. And you're tired of religion. You're tired of having to look a certain way and talk a certain way, knowing that when you get home, things are going to change anyway. Religion will never satisfy. It's always temporary, but a relationship is eternal. Pursue this relationship when Jesus says, come to me. That's an invitation of rest. Rest. See, but notice Jesus' words. He says, come to me, not come to church. Come to me, not come to Bible study. Come to me, not come to prayer. Come to me, not these things. Because when you come to me, now I will give you a desire to live out these things. Because of the relationship we have, not the re religion that you may want. And Jesus is talking here, this, this invitation of rest, this is an invitation uh, and freedom from legalism. Because legalism is not rest. And, 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 and to do so, he uses the analogy of a yoke. He's, he's speaking to an ag agricultural people. And the yoke was this piece of wood that had like a, a semicircle on two sides. And they would put oxen under the yokes and fasten the, the yoke to the oxen. And then they would fasten whatever they needed to pull to the yokes. So the oxen would begin to pull. So Jesus, he's speaking a familiar language to him when he says, uh, take my yoke upon you. Uh, and, and learn from me. What, what Jesus is trying to lay out for them is the fact that when you trust in him, he will be with you. See that the analogy of the yoke goes even further because what would take place is you would take two oxen. One would be stronger and wiser and more seasoned. Someone who had been there and done that. But then alongside of that, uh, that old and strong oxen, you would take a young and immature ox but you will yoke them up together. So now when they pulled together, it was as if that young and immature ox was just as strong as that old and wise ox. And what Jesus is saying is, you're young, you're immature, you don't know what you're doing, but I'm not going to talk about you. I'm going to get down and walk with you in the middle of your life. So when people look at you, they're actually going to think you're strong, but you're only strong because you're yoked up with me. Who are you yoked up with this morning? Because religion is a human yoke. And religion is, is weak. So when you yoke yourself up to another human, you can never pull the weight of life. But Je when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, he is saying is, I'm going to be with you in the midst of your life. In the midst of trials, in the midst of difficulties, 
and I will pull and teach you. Not only is he using the yoke to, to signify how Jesus will walk with us, but he uses the symbol of the, the yoke as a, a call to discipleship. Come to me. And we see this because he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Uh, the biblical word for discipleship is, is, is a learner, one who sits under and learns. So when Jesus says, learn from me, he's saying, I'm, called, uh, I'm giving you an invitation to be my disciple. I'm giving you an invitation to walk with me and to, to talk with me. And the reason why there's discipleship is because the, the, the wiser one will always pour into the, the, the immature one. It would teach them how to walk and how to talk and where to go. So what Jesus wants to do with you and me, he wants to call us into a relationship. And then he wants to teach you how to live. He wants to show you when to turn right and when to turn left. He wants to show you how to make right decisions, which job to take, which job you shouldn't take, who, who you should and shouldn't date. He, he gives us these things through his word. Learn from me. But beloved, understand this invitation, it's not just for the unsaved. This invitation is for the saved. What is he saying? Because in our salvation, there's a past, present, and future tense of our salvation. We have been saved when we repent and turn from our sin and trust in Christ. We are being saved presently through the sanctifying power of the Holy Spirit. And we will be saved for eternity when God glorifies our bodies. Turn with me right quick to 1 Corinthians. We're going to look at two passages here. 1 Corinthians, the first chapter, in the 18th verse. 1 Corinthians, the first chapter, in the 18th verse, and it says, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but watch this, but to us, Christians, who are being saved, it is the power of God. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. We'll look at verses 1 and 2. 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, verses 1 and 2, and he says, Now I would re remind you, brothers, of the gospel. I preached to you that past, which you received, in which you stand is present, and watch this, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast, to the word I preach to you, unless you believe in vain. So for the, the unbeliever, the come to me is a call to salvation. Set your sin aside. Trust in me for rest. Stop running to everyone else and come to me. But for the Christian is continually be fed by me. Once you have your eye on me, once you have your heart set on me, your affections are set on me, don't turn from me. But continue to be saved. This is an invitation to all of us today to come and to receive rest from Jesus. That's why we can say you will find so satisfying rest. Not regular rest. Not regular rest. So satisfying rest in Jesus. There's so much security in that. There's so much security in that. So, beloved, I, I just encourage you to get, get some rest by receiving the salvation of God today. See, Jesus, he's the only one 
who gives rest. That's because Jesus himself, he is rest. In Hebrews, the fourth chapter, is it, he, the author, he's looking back to the Old Testament and the, all those promises of rest. But the Sabbath rest was a, a promise that one day you will have eternal rest from your labor. Israel would observe various rests to point them to glory and the fulfillment and the complete satisfaction that Jesus brings. And the, the author of Hebrews, what he is saying is that all of those Old Testament promises find their fulfillment in Jesus Christ himself. So it's not like you're going to get some rest, like you're going to sit down. When Jesus draws you near and you respond to his invitation, you don't just get some rest, you receive rest himself in Christ Jesus. There is rest for the weary, but only in Christ Jesus. Are you weary this morning? Get some rest in Jesus. There should be a point in our lives where when folks start telling you how tired they are, when you ask them how it's going and you say, how, how you doing? They say, oh, I'm tired. We're going to have to stop telling people to get some rest. We're going to have to start telling people to have, have they had some Jesus. Like, I'm tired. Well, have you had Jesus? I'm going through this issue. Have you had Jesus? My son is acting a fool. Have you had Jesus? My daughter is flunking out. Have you had Jesus? My job is going crazy. Have you had Jesus? Have you had Jesus? That's the gospel call today. The gospel call is to trust and to receive. The gospel is about trusting in the fact that God has a beautiful design for life. The word of God says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And God creating the heavens and the earth, he had a plan that he would, that he would have this creation. And he would create male and female in this environment. And they would reflect his glory all throughout the world. And they would have an intimate relationship with him. And they would have perfect uh, harmony in their, in their vertical relationship with God and in their horizontal relationship with one another. So the gospel, we, we trust in the fact that God has a blueprint for life. But what happens is, just as Adam and Eve chose to, to live their own way, to do their own thing, we reject God's good and perfect design, which brings about sin. And not only sin, but separation. Because just as Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, they were sent out from God's presence. They could not be in his presence anymore because of their sinfulness and their disobedience. So when we lie and when we steal and when we cheat and when we get angry and when we get frustrated, the Bible calls that sin and that sin separates us from a holy and righteous God. But not only that, we see that that sin manifests itself in brokenness. We see the brokenness through addictions, depressions, violence. That brokenness is because we have sinned and given up God's blueprint. We trust that God has given us a good plan. But then we receive the good news of Jesus Christ that in him, all who have been separated, all who have been rejected because of their sin through the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that we can now be reconciled with God, that we no longer have to be his enemy, but we can be his friend through the blood of Jesus. 
And when we repent, when we say, Lord, I'm sorry for living for myself. I'm sorry for trying to do this on my own. Would you please forgive me? Would you please save me? I believe who Jesus is and who he was and what he has fulfilled. Would you please come into my heart and save me? When we repent and when we turn because of the gospel, we believe that Jesus has come and lived a sinless life and that he died on Calvary's cross. But not only did he die, but he got up and he is now victorious. With all power in his hand. When we believe the truth of the gospel, then we have the power to recover, to recover what we had in God's good plan. And he begins to work in you and through you to demonstrate his glory and his kingdom business. And now he wants to restore you. And now we can pursue his plan for wholeness. That's the gospel. We trust and we receive. We trust and we receive. Beloved, we are so restless. We are a restless people in constant need of distraction. That's why we check our phone every three minutes. We're restless. We're restless. That's why we don't click just one link. We click six links. We're restless. We're restless. We're restless because we're running from Jesus. Or or we're restless because we're running by rules. Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest for your souls. Have some rest this year by trusting in the sovereignty of God. Have some rest this year by receiving the salvation of God. Jesus has come to give rest. Rest for the soul. Let's bow heads in prayer. Lord God, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your power. I ask, Lord, that you would free us to receive rest right now because we're trusting in you. Please forgive us for our unbelief and disobedience. And I ask right now, dear God, that you would draw someone to you that you would reveal yourself to someone today, that they would be your very own, that they would receive his invitation to rest. These things we ask in the precious and holy name of Jesus Christ, we do pray. Amen. Amen.